Hi everybody, Carol here on our 199th show. And I'm here to give a shout out to just a few of our very special, very wonderful, very fantastic Patreon supporters. This week's shout out goes to Irma Gerd, Mo, Dan Allen, Rob Vandeweya, Goran Yosipovich, Tim Collinson, Steve Lupton, Jeremy, Maren Kathayer, and Armand. You guys rock. Thanks for your support. If you want to join this very cool group of Patreon supporters, check it out on smashingsecurity.com forward slash Patreon. Now let's get this show on the road. Some of us, from time to time, ladies, some of us like to dim ladies? the lights. Yes, I'm Zoe and I, there are, there are men <laughs> listeners as well. I don't know if you know that. You just think you're talking to all the ladies. Some of us like to dim the lights, put Barry White on, and slip into something a little bit more comfortable. Maybe a smoking jacket. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm some Turkish Bye. slippers. Bye. Well, what has happened to this show? I know. I'm sorry, Zoe. I, I don't remember this the last yeah, time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm out of here. Smashing Security, Episode 199. A few tech cock-ups and one cock lock-up with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security episode 199. My name's Graham Cluley. Ever closer to 200, I'm Carol <laughs> Terrio. Well, Carol, it is episode 199, and we got a couple of things to get very excited about. First of all is our guest, of course. We are joined once again by the marvellous BBC technology correspondent Zoe Kleinman. Hello, Zoe. Hello, Graham and Carol. How are you guys? Fantastic for having you here, Zoe. I'm so <laughs> glad you came on the show. Oh, that's so smooth. Thank you very much. Well, the other thing that we're excited about is that Carol and I are obviously about to celebrate our 200th episode. We're not going to see each other. Don't and panic. <laughs> And we're thinking, what can we do possibly to, to enjoy this? Yeah. See, I was thinking maybe we would make cakes for all of them. Like what? We have about 5 million, 6 million downloads so far. That's not going to be that many cakes. Well, I think we've we've gained some inspiration perhaps by the TV star in our midst. Because <laughs> what we're going to do is we are going to do, is it called a live stream? A live stream up on YouTube where people can come and join us. And ask questions yeah. and see us chatting. And He's that basically kind of saying, thing. YouTube AMA, dudes. Be there, be square. Oh, that's, that's very cool sounding. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so, so you will be able to join in. We are going to hold this on Thursday, October 15th at 8 p.m. UK time. That is 3 p.m. Boston. Okay. All you have to do to find it. What about the people in California? Oh, for goodness sake. They'll be at noon. They'll be at noon. Okay. Very so good. they'll be noon on Thursday, the 15th for them. What about what Australia? Oh, shut up. <laughs> to find out when it's happening in your time zone, all you have to do is go to smashingsecurity.com slash live, and that will automatically give you everything that you need to know in order for this wonderful thing to happen. But please be there. Otherwise, I'll be stuck with Carol on my own. Yeah, Graham is really afraid that no one shows up. <laughs> so uh, I say stay away. I say stay home. I just want to see him freak out. More cake for me, though. <laughs> okay, what's coming up on this week's show, Carol? Well, first, let's thank this week's sponsors, LastPass and Immersive Labs. Their support helps us give you this show for free. 
Now, coming up on the Today Show, Graham heads to the bedroom. Thank God this is radio, right? Zoe gives us the latest on the UK COVID tracing app. And I take a rather wacky look at automated recruitment tech. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Chums, chums, last week you will remember that we talked about so-called smart coffee makers, right? Remember Chucky? And how it could take over your I life. I hated that you chose that logo for that episode. I, it's kind of, as a coffee lover and a coffee drinker, I thought that was just uncouth. Oh, because I used the Chucky doll. Yes. You didn't like that. Nope. Oh, okay. Sorry nope. about that. Well, if you remember, researchers demonstrated how they were able to create a proof of concept ransomware that could obviously get in the way of you getting your daily swig of Java. And that would obviously be very frustrating for people. Well, it's not the only thing which frustrates people, of course. And coffee isn't the only thing that makes the world go round. Some of us, from time to time, ladies, some of us like to dim ladies? the Ladies? What are you talking <laughs> yes, to? Zoe and I, there are, li- there are men <laughs> listeners as well. I don't know if you know that. You just think you're talking to all the ladies. Jeez. Some of us like to dim the lights, put Barry White on and slip into something a little bit more comfortable. Maybe a smoking jacket. <laughs> okay, I'm out of here. Turkish Bye. slippers. Bye. Well, what has happened to this show? I know. I'm sorry, Zoe. I, I don't remember this the last yeah, time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> well, some of you might like to slip into something comfortable, and some of you might like to slip into something uncomfortable. Because let me introduce you to a Chinese-made gadget called... It comes from a company called Key, I believe it is. They're spelled Q-I-U-I. I believe it's Key. And it's the Key Cellmate. And the Key Cellmate is a um, chastity device. What? Designed... <laughs> what? It's we chast- almost made it to 200. <laughs> almost. <laughs> it is a chastity device designed for men... Oh who, my who probably God. need it to be honest. What, what does it? What does it look like? Well, Do I even want to know what it looks like. Well, it's sort of it's a cage for right. your um for your well not your one obviously I imagine you don't have one or crawl but but via proxy maybe you do but it's it's <laughs> a it's a cage it's a sort of thing which you clamp on to okay. one's. Graham, you're over fifty yes. now. I need you yes. to take a breath. Okay. <laughs> You know that we are in 2020. Yes. You are talking about a chassis device, a cage that goes around your... Your man's Wilbur. Yes, exactly. It is made... Let me explain how it works. You're probably wondering, how doesn't this just fall off, right? Isn't there something <laughs> called, like, isn't it? What? Iron Maiden, there's something. It's not a Merkin. No, there hasn't. Has, <laughs> <laughs> is it like what people wear for sport? Like, it's, like, like a jock strap. Yes, that's that with word. spikes. Let me explain how it attaches to the man. Because oh. my question was, how would it not slip off? There's two parts to the key cellmate. So you get, first of all, this ring attachment made out of toughened steel. And that you put sort of behind the boys, right? So it doesn't fall off. And then there's this other bit, which is like, oh, how can I describe it? Well, it's it's a sort of like a metal sheath which goes on and locks on to the ring, okay? Yeah. And that's made out of polycarbonate. With that locked on, and by the way, it comes in different sizes. It comes in both long and can short I, models. Can I interrupt? Is uh, this yes? because their the ferocity of their erections is so strong it breaks through genes? Is that why someone wants this kind of thing? I believe there used to be this thing called the Prince Albert, didn't there? Or maybe there still is. 
where oh, because gentlemen in Victorian gosh. times, you could sort of tie something just so it wouldn't. Anyway. Zoe, I'm going to call you after the show. Okay? No, I, look, <laughs> we'll have therapy. You're really, you're okay. really distracting me. You're taking me, you're taking me no, somewhere I don't want to go. Graham. You're just. Come on the show, they said. Talk about cybersecurity, they I said. I have nothing to do with this. I went to Key's online store and I found that the short version was perhaps unsurprisingly completely sold out. There's plenty <laughs> of long version. Oh, now that models. does surprise me, actually, because really? I would have thought that gentlemen might be a bit more ambitious in their choice of signs. It'd be a bit bulky, though, if it's all metal and stuff. Oh, that's a good point. Zoe, let me take you into the male psyche, Zoe. Oh, do you have to? You want a small one so that you might appear larger. Aha. Uh-huh. Right? I see. You want to be always to say, oh, I can barely fit into this. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you always wear a G-string when you go to the pool, Graham? <laughs> What? Anyway, so you can choose what what size you want. You can even get it personalised. You can get your name lasered onto it if you want. 110 euros to you, and you can have it shipped to you, of course, from the Netherlands. And what's the what's the tech side of this? Right. I'm glad you're coming onto that because that is very important. I'm just so, going to hide under my desk. So you carry on. It is. Aside from all these other features, it is, of course, connected to the internet. And oh that my goodness! Is where the problems begin. Because the whole point of the cellmate is that you can give control of your cock lock to somebody else who could be based anywhere in the world. Right. So if you're in a relationship where your partner doesn't want you using your penis inappropriately, you can give them the app and they can remotely lock or unlock your doodah via that mobile phone app wherever they are in the world. Question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm glad you've got one. Go on, Carol. <laughs> um, do you think this is a good idea? Personally, it's not my cup of tea. Question two. How is this in your echo chamber? How did you hear about this clue? I had two separate smashing security listeners. <laughs> Send oh. me this link earlier today saying you've got to read about you this. Bunch of grubby minded. <laughs> I'm shocked. They said perfect for your show, we think. Because <gasps> what has happened is that the penetration testers. Oh, for God's at sake. Pen test partners. <laughs> They discovered that the API used to drive these devices and communicate with them had a myriad of flaws. Oh, dear. And it actually means that someone could remotely lock all of these devices you know, I'm actually around kind of, the world. I'm kind of glad they alpha tested this on the penis, not the vagina, I got to say. <laughs> you know? Can you still pee when you're wearing one? I haven't tested it. Um, you you sound like you know a lot about it, Graham. That's I, I why I'm asking. I don't know if Tomorrow's World or the Gadget Show have looked into this. Or Maybe like that. tune into the YouTube live stream to find oh, yes. out the stream. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a threat here, right? Because if you could remotely lock anybody's cock lock, as I'm calling it, or cellmate, then they can't unlock it themselves. That's the thing. Sorry, I haven't really explained this very well. If if yours is locked. The only way to get it off is via the mobile phone app. Wow, so there's there's no manual override or anything. No, yeah. there is not. <laughs> Hope you're not in the north of England with poor reception because that could get a bit annoying. According to Pentest Partners, once remotely locked, you cannot unlock it. 
and you would have to take some bolt cutters or an angle grinder <laughs> to... Oh, my word. Can you imagine going to the hospital going, look, I know there's a pandemic. I know there's a pandemic, but I have a bit of a sitch. I really need a pee. I'm sure you can still pee. It's probably got a hole for that. Otherwise, it'd be pointless, wouldn't it? You can't have your partner going off. What if you have an itch? Do you have like a specially chiseled chopstick from the takeaway? Well, yes, it's probably like if you if you break your arm and you get you get like a chopstick or a knitting needle, (laughs) don't you? So I would imagine you would use something or a coat hanger, which you could bend into the right shape and you could scratch yourself that way I imagine. i've got a question thank you zoe let's <laughs> let's raise the tone i'm tr- i'm going to try um does it only work with one person's app or could you have multiple people <laughs> like a whatsapp group <laughs> <laughs> controlling your your uh, device i don't actually know i mean i would imagine technologically it's possible but i it's not something i know but what we do know is that the api also leaked precise location data, personal information, and even private chats and other metadata, including what the company calls the member code. Hang on, what private chat? (laughs) Who or what was having a private chat? So the app communicates with the cage via Bluetooth, but the app also speaks to the internet. So it gets a command from the internet, from the other user who has the app as well, which is sort of coupled up with yours. And then it communicates via Bluetooth telling you to unlock. So I think via this app, you can also say, hey, big boy, or whatever. Have you been behaving yourself? If you have, I'll unlock you. All right. Okay, people are really bored if they're doing this for kicks, seriously. Don't you think? Well, I think I, I don't think it's for us to judge, Krill. I mean, everyone's got a. Funny, oh, really? You, know, you don't think it's of... for us to judge? No, not really. You I... definitely have one. You I definitely one hundred percent have one, and I'm totally one hundred percent judging you. Well, because well, tell me about the security of the device. Well, it, it's it's it. The security is not that good because clearly the API can be exploited. And this is, of course, true of so many IoT devices in the past. There's even a website called the Internet of Dongs, which is all about sex toys uh, connected to the Internet, which have had vulnerabilities in the past. We've seen things like this before. I'm sure you remember, Carol, John Hawes. He came on the show, or he appeared on the show at least a few years ago, telling us about an adult bedroom entertainment system. I wish there was uh, a sound for rolling your eyes. Which... (laughs) And what that did was it recorded your session with the device without yep. asking permission. Absolutely astonishing. In all seriousness, it is very easy to snigger at sort of sex tech, isn't it? And and we do. But um, there's a lot of money in it, actually. Oh, I yeah. went to CES in January. God, that feels like a lifetime ago, but I did. And there was, for the first time ever, they had this little corner which was devoted to sex tech. And there were sort of half a dozen vendors there mm. showing off, you know, what they developed. And actually, it was kind of thriving. It was doing really well. I mean, CES, they've got a really funny history with sex tech where yeah. they kind of like it and then they get a bit freaked out by it. And there was a horrible story where they'd given a, an innovation award to a woman who designed a, a smart vibrator and then they took it off her again. Yes, I remember that story. It was shocking. Yeah. And they gave it back to her at the end, though, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And then it all kicked off because she was horrified. And then they gave it back to yeah. her. But it was all really awkward. And then and then this was the following year that I went, January just gone. And they had, I guess, because they were trying to show how open-minded they were, they were like, yeah, this year we're having a sex tech section because we're fine with it. And it was kind of, you know, it was hard to find. It was sort of tucked <laughs> away in the corner by the loos. And I think there was a sense that they were sort of trying to make an effort but didn't really want anyone to see it. There must be IoT toilets. Oh, there are. 
You see, this my whole life right now, I don't I know. I remember there was a story about a Japanese IoT-connected toilet, which could be hacked, and it mm-hmm. could squirt you in an uncomfortable place. We've covered a lot of really important stories. We, we do cover the really <laughs> important ones. Anyway, Pentest Partners found this security hole. They want it, obviously bung it up and and prevent it causing any problems. And so they tried for months to get the manufacturers at Key, this Chinese company, to fix it. And they weren't really getting very far. One of the problems appears to be that the manufacturers said, well, we can't really replace the API because if we do, there's a danger. We could unintentionally lock everyone into their (laughs) cock cage, uh, which you wouldn't want. Or maybe you would. I don't know. But now... Details of this problem have been released because other researchers have stumbled across other vulnerabilities in these particular male chastity devices. And there's also concern because the manufacturers said that they're going to produce one of these devices with an internal element, I think, to make it even harder to take it off. So you can just imagine that's probably your knitting needle curl there. But you, <laughs> you wouldn't, you would, I mean, you don't really want that kind of device going wrong. However, you don't want that kind of device full stop. No, well, no, but some people do, Crow. We're not really to judge, right? If someone gets. Do you someone... want to be an alpha tester of no. a male chastity belt? Hands up. Hands up. Waiting. If, Hands if up. they want to sponsor us, we'll consider <laughs> But isn't this a classic example, though? It's amazing, I think, how much trust people put in tech, isn't it? In, in a way that you think, if you think about this for a minute, my goodness, that's a leap of faith, isn't it? To, to put that on and, yeah. and trust Not that our it's listeners. fine. But, <laughs> but then, you know, do you remember all those stories about people like driving their cars into lakes because they were following the sat-nav, even though they can see that in front of them is a lake and your rational brain is going, no, I don't want to drive into the lake. And then your other brain is going, oh, but the sat-nav says it's in the lake. And they all go. It's it's a, it's a, a really interesting bit of human psychology, isn't it? How much we trust in the tech that, that we get. So I want to hear from our listeners. I want to hear from these from you no guys. No one, not and a single one, not a single listener <laughs> but would fall you, for this. If you do know somebody who's got one of these devices and they do happen to get locked in either because of the vulnerability or, or they've got a part. You want them then, to send a picture? No, 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 no. <laughs> Good. There is a way which doesn't involve an ankle grinder to get it off. And the guys at Pentest Partners have produced a video showing you. Basically, you sort of... Break Laser a, your balls? Well, almost. You <laughs> oh, break a, you break open a battery compartment and you have to apply some voltage to two particular wires to unlock oh, my your word. Oh. So if you're comfortable doing that, that is Graham, a way out. Graham, this is a health warning. Do not do that. No one do that. Absolutely do not listen to Graham. He's insane. Moving on. <laughs> um, Zoe, what's your story for us this week? Well, I'm not really sure how to follow that, actually, Graham. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to have to segue quite rapidly into a completely different subject. The, the story that has consumed my entire life for the last couple of weeks has been the launch, the long-awaited launch of the uh, COVID-19 tracing app yes. for England and Wales, which uh, I feel like I should practically lay a place for it at the dinner table because I've lived <laughs> and breathed it now for so long. But finally, it's More wine? is that the end of it? <laughs> No, it's not. There's loads of issues. <laughs> I'll be talking about this forever. I, I keep making the mistake of calling it the UK COVID-19 contact tracer. Oh, no, 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 no. And you get so many Scottish people annoyed with you at that point. Oh, and, and Northern Irish okay, people. What's it called? I actually haven't installed this and I'm paying attention because I have to go to a dentist tomorrow and I'm going to have to check in. 
Ah. So I'm going to ask loads of questions, Zoe. Yeah, well, I, I feel like <laughs> everyone is asking questions about stuff. For something that's supposed to be so simple, it's just an app that's supposed to tell you, you know, whether you're at risk of having COVID-19. And actually, it's become an absolute minefield. It's called the NHS COVID-19 app. And it is for England and Wales. So Scotland has its own and Northern Ireland has its own. And guess what? So far, they don't really communicate together. So if you are in England and Wales and then you go to Scotland, you'll have to start <laughs> using the Scotland app to, uh, to continue if that's what you want to do. It's done quite well in that over 14 million people downloaded it in the first few days, which is quite, that's pretty yeah, it's not bad. I mean, if I was an app developer, I'd be happy with that. That's like a quarter of the population. It's incredible. Yeah, it's not bad. But then almost immediately, as you can imagine, the minute people actually started using it, they, they have got questions. Oh, my word. There's a lot of questions. Right. So one of the first things that emerged was you can check into a venue, right? You scan a QR code and it says, oh, yes, here you are. You are, at, you know, the dog and duck in Stratum or whatever. Um, but you can't check out. It, you, you are in that venue until you check in somewhere else. So that's confusing people. It's like the song Hotel California. <laughs> You can yes, check in exactly. any time you like, but you can never leave. Can I just be clear? So if I go to a coffee shop and I check in at the coffee shop and then I don't check out and, and I stay home for five days before I go out next again, I am basically at that coffee shop for five days. It keeps you logged in until midnight. Okay. However, this is not the big problem that it sounds like it is no. because ultimately what it's looking for is your phone being near somebody else's phone mm -hmm. for a certain amount of time, for more than 15 minutes and less than two meters apart from it, who then registers that they have tested positive, right? So if that person comes into the coffee shop six hours after you left, well, you're not, you're not going to be near their phone, are you? Because you're not there. So in a way, it doesn't matter. But it's just an awkward little bit of user experience, isn't it? That people are like, well, I want to check out. I don't want to be registered in this cafe for 10 hours, you know. And, and what if somebody then comes in later and then I get caught up in, in their disaster? I think that's exactly what happened to my neighbor. I think this is exactly the problem that happened to him. And then when he went online to check it out, apparently he wasn't at risk. But he didn't, he yeah. didn't check out of the location because you can't check out. Yeah. And the other thing that's really freaking people out and I've had it, and even though I knew what it was, it was worrying me, is that you get these weird little phantom alerts, right? So, you, you know, you're going about your business and you get a little flash on your phone and it says something like possible COVID-19 exposure detected. And then it says signal strength. It's not very user-friendly language, you know, whatever it says, signal strength saved or something. And then it disappears. And if you go into the app, there's nothing there. Yes, that's what happened to him. That is what yes. happened to my neighbor. That's And he was really panicking a bit. Well, I'm not surprised. Why did yeah. he do that? When it happened to me, it panics me. And I, and I know what it does, right? So, yeah. so what this is, this is not actually part of the app. The app is built using this um, tool that was developed by Google and Apple yeah. that enables the phones to communicate with each other, right? We weren't going to use it. In, in England. And then we decided, okay, it's there. We might as well, why are we reinventing the wheel here? We'll use what's already there. We'll use that. So what that notification is, it's coming from the Apple and Google API rather than coming from the app. And it basically, what it means is you have been around somebody who's tested positive potentially, but not for long enough for it to be a threat. So not to the point where you have to do anything about it. Unless they sneeze. <laughs> Again, it's like, why do you need to know that? You know, I don't need to know that. <laughs> I, I would be much happier living my life, not knowing and worrying about that. So a lot of this has sort of come back down to sort of bad user experience. And the final thing that's worried people is that it turned out pretty early on that you could not register test results very easily. So the minute you go onto it and you say, oh, 
I've got symptoms here. I've lost my taste of taste. Um, I've got a temperature and I've got a cough. It goes, right. Mm. Self-isolation starts now and this little timer starts counting down. You've got two weeks, right? And then you go and get your test and it's negative and you're like, hooray, I don't need to self-isolate. And you go into the phone and it says, okay, you've got your test results. Input the code so that we can update your app. Mm-hmm. But there is no code. It doesn't come with a code. Oh. <laughs> so a lot of people are like freaking out going, well, I, you know, what do I do? I, I'm okay. I haven't got, I, my test was negative, but I've still got this isolation clock counting down. And am I going to get into trouble? Uh, the answer is no, you won't get into trouble because, and this is a, a, an anomaly in a way, the, the app is guidance. So the police can't fine you for breaking the app because if you get a notification, nobody knows you've got it apart from you. The whole thing is so confidential. There's no data stored anywhere, right? So they can't enforce it. So you can carry on going about your business with this countdown going, knowing that you're okay. But, but for a lot of people, you know, as we talked about, who, who trust the tech and want to do what they're told, yeah. this is actually really distressing. No, no. And I, mean, I know a few people that maybe, you know, have experienced a fever and then they go, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about it and carry on. And it's really difficult because I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I think this would freak you out. You're, you're off to the dentist tomorrow, aren't you? I'm so nor- And You're, I, I, you're yeah. installing this app. You don't want to go out anyway. You don't want to go to a dentist. Well, I don't want to go to a dentist. No one wants to go to a dentist, no. <laughs> but you, I particularly don't want to go to a dentist now. No, no, but I have to. Yeah. And you're going to install this app, I presume. And you, you might get one of these weird alerts. It, it's- Honestly, though, like we've said before, it's probably the least of my worries right now. Uh-huh. You know, I'll just install the app, do the thing, come home, uninstall the app. But you can imagine people just have the bejesus scared out of them. Mm. Well, not anymore, because Zoe has explained what's going on. <laughs> so are they fixing these issues? Well, uh, the thing with the test results mm. not quite working, it, it's kind of going to resolve itself because if you book a test through the app, then it will update automatically for you. So this is slightly historic because people had booked tests before the app came out, you know, because uh-huh. they haven't been out for that long. So that, that will kind of resolve itself. They are also saying if you get a positive test and you can't notify the app, then the contact tracers, the people on the, who phone you up, will give you a code over the phone to put in your app, which seems like a very low-tech solution, <laughs> doesn't it? But there we are. Um, so that will resolve itself. Um, the uh, What was the other issues? The phantom alerts, apparently they are working on that as well. But as I said, you know, that's not actually the app doing it. That's an Apple Google thing. Yeah, so, that's presumably going to require some kind of OS update to be pushed out. Yeah, so that's an Apple Google issue to resolve. Honestly, though, they're going to be complicated apps. And I can totally see that there's going to be teething problems between the UK kind of crowbarring in what it requires with the Apple and Google technology, right? I'm not surprised that there's a few niggles uh, at this stage. I just hope that they go away soon. <laughs> I mean, I think it's worth saying that I would love to be able to point you to one particular country's app and go, here you go. You yeah. know, they've got it right. This is brilliant. But there isn't one nobody's really got it right and um, nobody's is working brilliantly but I, I quite I thought it was quite interesting what Matt Hancock said the Secretary of Health here uh, he was talking about how many people need to have this app in order for it to be any mm. good you know you, you'd think you need a lot of the population to have it but he sort of said well do you know what it, it's kind of a prompt really to get people to think differently and change their behavior you know we've been doing this now for months we're all sick of it the rules keep changing and it's easy to sort of feel a bit complacent about it. But he said if only two people downloaded this app and it stopped one of them going around spreading coronavirus, then it's done its job. You know? He set himself quite a low bar there, though, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, so no journalist can come up to him later and say, well, you, t- 
You said two would be a success, but you didn't manage yeah. that. <laughs> what is it? What is it they say? Set people's expectations low, <laughs> and then over deliver. <laughs> this is all via Bluetooth, isn't it? This this magic which is going on. You know, That's work out right. if people have been rage. I wonder if that could be applied to other purposes. You know, once all this coronavirus pandemic is over, or we, we, we've moved on a bit, because I'm thinking about once again these um, these cock locks which are running on Bluetooth as well. I I would be quite interested if someone has come into a restaurant and is wearing one of those. Oh, I see. And wouldn't it be great if you're That's at- a great segue, Graham. <laughs> Bluetooth is amazing, though, isn't it? It's been around for so long and mm. it's never really sort of shone, has it? And now this is its moment. My word. Well, Carol, good luck at the dentist tomorrow. Yeah, good luck. I'm, I'm saying that for the dentist, obviously. You're saying that just before I tell my story as well, which, you know. Giving you a bit of a downer, has it? <laughs> well, I still have to talk a bit. <laughs> Is that why you're going tomorrow, so you could do this first? Yeah, no, I have a little tooth issue. So if I'm a little grumpy, that's why. I'm sorry. I don't think you're a little grumpy. Yeah, well, just wait till my story starts. Come on. Insist a little. Carol, what's your topic this week? Obviously, as I'm not feeling great, I'm going to give you guys a lot of homework during my class. Okay, so okay. do you remember your first job interview? Or perhaps your worst <laughs> job interview. I'm terrible at job interviews. I don't think I've ever had a very good job interview. I've gone to very few job interviews. I've been very lucky. My husband has this great one. I think it was a university interview and he was up north and he had to he had to wear his suit from Burton's and he had slippy shoes on and he'd taken the train all the way up and it was snowing yeah. and full of ice and he slid down the hill completely in his suit and then had to show up and oh, kind no. of go, hi. <laughs> Did he get the job? Uh, yeah, he did. He oh, did. it worked. Yeah. But there you go. You, you, you didn't do any jobs, Graham? You didn't actually work, did well, you? No, <laughs> no I have. I, 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 when I was at um, uh, Polytechnic, uh, I tried to get a job at a computer game magazine because I'd written computer games and things. And you thought you were a shoo-in? I thought, wouldn't it be great? Because I quite liked writing. I thought, that way I can play computer games all day and then write about them, and that'll be a job. But I made the mistake of turning up in a suit, and which I assumed was the thing to do. And they looked at me like I was a complete weirdo in this computer game magazine place. Well, they probably just thought you were an important man. They did. <laughs> yeah, but being interviewed is horrid, but being the interviewer is also horrible. Yes. You used to hire real characters. <laughs> I was going to say... I'm the sorry? <laughs> You had some curious people who worked what for you, you girl. What, like you? No, 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 no. Well, when you, you worked for me, me. Yeah, I didn't well, interview you. I should have. <laughs> you worked for me first. Yes. Did you make I more money than I did when I worked for you? I'm sorry? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not the case when you worked for me. I would never put up with that today. Do you know that? I'm shocked I put up with that. It's true, well, Zoe. He used to work for me, and he made way more money than I did, and I knew that because well, that was the boss. Know, that, well, how did that happen? How did you let that happen? How did I, exactly? Probably, I was in a male-dominated environment, and I somehow got talked into. Wouldn't it be great to manage Graham? It wasn't. There's probably people who work for Boris Johnson who earn more than him. Mm. It just happens. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You're Boris. Anyway, um, so uh, in the olden days, before services like Monster and LinkedIn, you would get, you'd put a job out there and then you'd get this deluge of resumes and 50% were totally not appropriate candidates or showing no interest at all in the job. When I was a manager, it was just a nightmare. <laughs> 
tell me about it. Trying to find good people to come. And you'd invite people in to talk to them. And some of them were real weirdos. I remember one guy. Now, I don't know if this is uh, inappropriate or against the law or whatever. There was a chap who came in and he had an unusual name. And so I thought, oh, I'll just Google him. And it turned out he had, he would been in the news because of some sort of shooting incident. He was an animal rights activist in his spare time. And he tried to free some wombats or whatever the animal was. And the farmer had shot at him and he'd been hurt by this, right? And I was thinking, well, this is more interesting than the interview and talking about programming or web development or whatever. And so I kept on trying to find out from him, is there anything you're really passionate about? <laughs> you're trying to get him to go clean? Are you a pet owner? You know, just I'm just trying to... This test. was before people knew how to Google people, right? <laughs> you were so cutting edge, Clue. He didn't have a social media presence, but I, I knew it was this guy. And thinking, oh, this interview is so dull. Come on, tell us about when you got shot. But I can't say that to him. I can't say, tell me about the time when this guy shot you. Why not? Because I had no intention of giving him the job because I'd already decided I didn't like him. But it, it, he might have thought that was the reason, right? Uh, that I was discriminating against him because he was a human dartboard. <laughs> I've got a story. Oh, yes. Oh, wonderful. Well, I've got to be careful about telling this story. I'm going to be very vague. I, I know a story about someone who... Um, uh, developed a bit of a habit for partying and was partying quite hard, quite a lot. And it was starting to really impact on this person's work, uh, you know, to the point that it couldn't, they just weren't really functioning very well in the, during the day. <laughs> and there was a, a meeting between managers to, um, to discuss this and try and work out what to do, you know, because obviously this is a, this is a problem, right? And so what mm. they, what they decided to do, which I don't think I've ever read in any HR policy I've ever seen <laughs> was they phoned this person's mum. I love that. Can you imagine your I mum getting a call from your boss? <laughs> Saying, can My you have a word? My mum would be like, okay, well, I just have to empty the dishwasher at the same time. Talk louder. Oh, <laughs> I think it's really cute. Yeah. I think, do you know, you know when you get in trouble with HR and HR say, would you like to bring a friend in with you or a colleague? I've I've always wanted to say, can I bring my mum in? <laughs> oh, I thought you meant, I thought you were going to say me. Is your no. bud bud. Hey, Zoe, I once applied for a job at the BBC. Oh, yeah, did you? Which one? My job. I think Alastair Milne had just resigned or retired or something as director general. And Marmaduke Hussey was uh, on the board of governors. Yeah. Uh, this was when I was about 15 or 16. And I, I took it upon myself because I was busy not studying for exams. Took it upon myself to adopt a pseudonym and to uh, keep on applying. I got lovely letters back from him, but they never actually brought me in for an interview. <laughs> they probably <laughs> recognised that the only thing that changed was the name that was crossed out in crayon. <laughs> Hank Cluley. <laughs> no, my name was Guy Scott Tremblow. Actually, oh my was the name God. I was using at the time. That sounds like a very strong name for a director general. Yes. Now. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Should I get back to my story? Yes, let's get back to that. Let's get back to that. So, so in the early days, like the pre-LinkedIn, pre-Monster, pre-everything, you would just get this deluge of resumes. And then if your company, you know, succeeded, I guess, and your HR department got busier and you got more staff... The HR department took on that job, right? So they would weed mm -hmm. out some of the candidates for you. Yes. They did this for me for a time. And, it, you know, in hindsight, it bothers me that they let them do that because you never see the resumes they deemed unsuitable. And how would they know? How would they really know? How would they know? Exactly. They're not experts in my field. 
You used to be in charge of like localization and translation and stuff like that, didn't well, you? Well, when I first started working, oh. but like later on, <laughs> I was managing your ass and <laughs> my very expensive ass, very very expensive ass. <laughs> Hardly worth it, ass. <laughs> anyway, HR became a choke point. Yes. Imagine if you're in a big, big company like, uh, I don't know, Ford or Walmart or Amazon or Uber, where you have like mm. to scale up the hiring. Traditional recruitment processes just doesn't work. It's not viable. And this is where automated recruitment services come in. Automated ones, right? Yes. So I went looking at this. I didn't, I know nothing about this. So guys, you know, do your own research. <laughs> but I found these companies. I was like, these companies like Hubert Plus One. It's an AI recruiting platform built to help hiring teams crush it, it says. Oh my goodness. And it says it takes the boring and repetitive tasks from your applicant screening process and replaces it with solid, transparent advice and from artificial intelligence trained on millions of reliable data points. Getting a computer and an algorithm to choose who would be a good hire for you or just to weed out the chat. Well, yeah, so I guess, I guess they must do a search on you based on your socials and where you are on the web. They must ask you questions they must record those answers. They're probably looking for keywords. There's this other one called Predictive Hire. Thai does top of funnel interviews for you, saving you time. Everyone gets the same interview anywhere, anytime, and untimed. It doesn't care for what you are, just who you are. And according to Slate, it's kind of like humans interviewing because these bot recruiters have their own unique styles for interviewing. <laughs> Some are merely seeking logistical information. Where are you available? Are you really interested in this job? While others are looking to assess like the drive initiative, you know, your team building skills, your adaptability. So like a chatbot? Yes. It's like a chatbot. Do you actually see someone? Well. Do, do they have like an avatar going, hello, everybody, got the gear. What, like Max Headroom or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give you guys a scenario. Okay. Right. Because oh, we haven't even hit security yet. Right. We may <laughs> right. not. We may not. I don't know. My Wouldn't tooth hurts. My didn't. tooth hurts. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. So. The tooth um, does hurt, Crow. The tooth does hurt. <laughs> God. It's 2025. Okay. And yes. things have not gone well for you guys. Okay. Things have gone very, very badly. Oh, no. I've been fired. Podcast is in ruins. We're not talking. <laughs> We, yeah, we all hate each other. And both of you are desperately looking for a new job. Okay. Now, the question is, yes. would you worry that a human might be biased? So, Graham, we'll start with you. I mean, you know. What do you mean, you know? Well, you're a big personality, right? Would you worry about that? You're a little older than, you know. Oh, I see. Because I'm old and annoying. You know, you've been around the block maybe a hundred times. I might. Well, yeah, I, th I think that's quite possible. I think I, I am getting that age where I think people would think, oh, he's, he's a bit old hat, So he? do you think maybe an automated interview might work better for you? Well, wouldn't it know how old I was as well? Maybe it would be biased. Yeah, but maybe it doesn't judge. It's not like some, you know, 25-year-old who's interviewing you to, be, uh, to work at Costco and they're thinking, oh, wow, check out this old boomer. <laughs> maybe I could subvert the algorithm. Maybe I could go in with different personas and work out a bit like one of those choose your own adventure books. I try and find the right way through. 
And so we like, you know, we're both girls. We know that often we've probably gone for jobs and you're just thinking this guy does not. Uh, yeah, he doesn't want a woman working for this role at all. Yeah. I don't even know why I'm here. So maybe an automated bot would get rid of that kind of bias. Well, I like the idea of it, but I think we just all know that algorithms and bots are not as great as the people who make them will have us believe yeah. yet, are they? Can I show you? Can I prove you wrong? <laughs> yeah, I Ooh, do. Go ahead. So let's get back to our scene, okay? Mm-hmm. You've got an interview and they ask you to come in to the office and you're like, why? Why would I come in? There is a pandemic going on. They said, do not worry. We're following all the rules. A bit like me going to go to the dentist. Right. You need this job. So you get there, you got your mask on, you go into an empty room and you wait. And then someone comes in with like a big car, white cloth. And you're thinking, this is fancy schmancy, a few croissants. And you're waiting for everything to start. Yeah. And I pull off the, the, I pull off the blanket and this happens. Hi, my name is Tengai. Wow. I'm a social interview robot. What is this? Would you like to answer one of my interview questions? That is who's interviewing you. I would like to talk about problem solving. Can you tell me about a work or school related situation where you had to come up with a solution on your own? And why it was a problem to begin with? It looks like a piece out of the Cluedo game, doesn't it? Can you elaborate? What was the result of your actions? Oh, well, that doesn't freak me out at all. Thinking back on this situation, could you have acted in a different way? Can you elaborate? Can you elaborate? Can you elaborate? (laughs) This is... I know, right? It's like fucking insane. I'll tell our listeners what they're missing. This is Tengai, a 16-inch tall robot recruiter. Hi. That could be the future of job interviews. Tengai is programmed to conduct every interview exactly the same way. 16 inches. Does it also come in a small size like the... uh... Can you put it in a cage? (laughs) (laughs) Can you elaborate? (laughs) This is a little peculiar, girl. It's really weird. So they can change the face in print on it. I don't it. think just changing the face is going to reassure me, to be honest. <laughs> really? So got anyone out there interested in seeing this for yourself, there are going to be tons of links in the show notes. Okay. But it is really weird. Imagine this kind of physical robot interviewing you and looking empathetic with its facial expressions as you try to answer. I still don't quite get this humanoid robot business do you i mean why are we making robots that look like us why we don't need to do that they don't need to look human do they i think we should make all robots look like yogi bear because everyone (laughs) loves yogi bear and he he does have human characteristics i kind of married yogi bear actually you have actually (laughs) but you know other than a hamper and need for the occasional sandwich to pinch i think i think that would make people feel more comfortable interacting with robots (laughs) <laughs> I, I agree. I like so many of the, these robots. They're just there's a sort of uncanny valley about them, isn't there? Because they yes. look human, but they're not. And and I feel like that detracts. You know, robotics is it's got a long way to go, but it's amazing. All of these robots have evolved far more dramatically than I have in the last five years. You know that you, it is impressive, but there's just no need for them to look weirdly half human. Yeah, no, no, totally. And then there's all these little weird security questions. So I'm thinking like, if you don't actually have a very strong online presence, you could be penalized for not having enough of a public footprint when you were going through one of these automated recruitment processes. That would suck. Yeah, that's true. I wonder why this this whole 
a physical robot element is required at all. Oh, I, I think feel, it's just a gimmick. I w- yeah, well, I would feel so much more comfortable if it was a telephone interview, even if it was a telephone interview with a robot. You know, I, I feel that that would put me at ease. You know, I'm having um, Invisalign at the moment. I'm getting my teeth straightened during lockdown. Amazing. And so I've got these uh, like braces and I can't go to the orthodontist very often. They don't want to see me. So I've got this amazing thing. It looks like a VR headset, but you put your phone into it and there's an app that you use. And when you put it in and you start the app, basically you put this thing up by your mouth, the camera of the phone and the light of the phone, take these pictures from side to side of your teeth. And you have to do this with the, with the braces in, the braces out once a week. And then you get a little message about how your teeth are going. And I've got, because with these Invisalign things, you have to change them every week or 10 days or whatever. And I get a little message going, right, you're ready for your next, um, your next retainer. So I've, I've literally only been once to the orthodontist. So you don't have a problem putting your gnashers into an IoT device. <laughs> no, exactly. And sharing all of that <laughs> but data. But she wouldn't put her penis in. <laughs> well. Surprising. I was just leaving a dot, dot, dot there, Grim. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you for finishing that sentence. <laughs> and I think it's pronounced vagine anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Smashing Security is sponsored by LastPass. Now, everyone knows about LastPass's password manager for end users, but it's also a great solution for businesses. In fact, tens of thousands of companies rely upon LastPass to protect themselves. LastPass Enterprise simplifies password management for companies of all sizes and helps you secure your workforce. So whatever the size of your business, go and check it out. Go and visit lastpass.com slash smashing to find out more. And thanks to LastPass for supporting the show. Attacks and breaches are sadly a fact of life. They happen. What's most important is how well your organisation responds. And technology isn't really enough. Your staff must be ready too. Immersive Labs delivers hands-on, challenge-based training and exercises to make your team ready to fight real-world threats. Check out their free ebook all about the MITRE attack framework and how you can use it as a part of your cyber skills strategy and improve your security posture by identifying weaknesses. Go to immersivelabs.com slash smashing right now to download your free ebook. That's immersivelabs.com slash smashing. And thanks to Immersive Labs for supporting the show. And welcome back. And you join us on our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. <gasps> Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses saying the like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be... Well, this week, my pick of the week is, again, something musical. This week would have seen the 80th birthday of John Lennon. And in honour of that, Sean Ono Lennon, his son with Yoko Ono, has uh, created a little show on BBC Sounds, uh, a two-part show where he speaks to Elton John and Paul McCartney and his half-brother, Julian Lennon, uh, and obviously Sir Paul McCartney as well, about their memories of John Lennon, uh, because obviously John Lennon uh, tragically died when Sean was just five years old. You call him Sir? Sir Paul McCartney. You call him Sir Paul. You don't call him just Paul. I've never, I don't feel that familiar with him. <laughs> I, think we, I, think we, I think we still need some decorum. 
I quite enjoyed this. And obviously, I'm a huge John Lennon fan, and maybe some of you are as well. So you might want to listen to Sean Ono Lennon on John Lennon 80, and you can find it for the next 30 days or so on BBC Sounds. And that is my pick of the week. Zoe, what's your pick of the week? Mine is a bit of a personal revelation to me. Um, and that is, I think the last time I spoke to you two, actually, I was telling you that I was a very proud owner of a 12 year old television. And I'd put on uh, social media that, you know, that it was my oldest working gadget and it wasn't a smart TV and I had to use a Chromecast, but you know, it, it was doing its job and I was very proud of it. And then hundreds and hundreds of people got in touch and shared with me their oldest working devices and it was all enormous fun. And I, I thought that this was marvelous. Uh, but I've got a confession to make, uh, moving on from that story because I am now the owner of a new television. Which what? was, I know, I, I feel like a traitor, but um, it was a gift. It's very actually. decadent. It was. <laughs> it, was it was a gift. Was Someone a gift. gave you a television. <laughs> yeah, my partner bought That's me what a, friends smart, do, a new television for my birthday. And uh, I have to say, it's a bit like, you know, when you when you get new glasses and you say, I don't need new glasses. I'm fine. I can see. I'm fine. <laughs> and then you put on your new glasses and you're like, whoa, this is what? eyesight is about i can see through the <laughs> matrix now this is incredible that that's kind of the experience i'm currently having with my new television and it it's it's changed the way i view television i'm watching more tv it's it's really um <laughs> a, a surprising revelation to nobody apart from myself that having a good bit of kit does make a difference it, it hasn't really changed the way you view television has it i mean you're still using the same method but <laughs> It has it has some kind of new. Fi- I mean, does this one get Channel Four or something? What, what's the what's, what's the revelation? I asked my children what we should call it because we had to come up with a name, and they've come up with the name Shira. And I have to say that saying I hope it doesn't do it now. Saying Alexa, turn on Shira is never ever going to get old. Glorious! I like that. I like oh, that. Cool. So, what? Who's the manufacturer of this TV? It's a high sense TV. Um, uh-huh. it's ultra HD. It's got a, a really crisp picture. I mean, it's not, it's not bank breaking, but obviously a new TV is a treat. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and that's, that will be probably 4K, is it? Is that it what is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, if it lasts 12 years. Exactly. So if anyone else is out there who's got a, like a 12 or 15 year old TV, your recommendation is go and grab a new one because they're so cheap these days as well, aren't they? And that is my pick of the week. Well, it's actually Zoe's. Oh, yes. So, Carol, <laughs> what have you got for us? Um, okay, so I'm a little bit arty or trying to be, as some of our regular listeners know. And actually, you know what? Watch, Graham, I'll show a few on the, if we do the YouTube AMA live stream. Oh, yes, on uh, October 15th, 8 p.m. UK time. Uh, I'll show one or two of the pieces and you can kind of go, oh my God, so bad. <laughs> anyway, part of my uh, self-education and learning how to improve my drawing and painting skills is obviously consuming loads of online content. And some of them are very bad and some of them are very good. And I'm going to share a channel, a YouTube channel with you called Perspective. And this is the business. It's an art channel. And it has a glut of documentaries that kind of look into music or theater or opera or paintings and artists and all that. So if you don't know 
much about the whole culture side of things. This is an amazing place to just go and explore and learn stuff. But if you are into one of these things, like maybe theater, you might want to go watch documentary on Les Miserables or Hamilton. Or if you like me and you're into painting, you might want to watch like really dozens and dozens of strong documentaries on specific painters or art movements or, you know, the Art of Islam or the Tang Dynasty. They're all there. And these are all on this YouTube channel. Yeah, there's quite a few there. There's probably maybe 50 different documentaries, all about about an hour long. And I'm particularly right. fond of those presented by the wonderful Valdemar Januszek. Oh, Valdemar Januszek. You, you will know him. He was the art critic for The Guardian and then The Sunday Times. Yes. He's just got a really good presentation style and he's very salt of the earth. This is why it's good. This is why it's not. He knows his onions and uh, he's just great. I love him. That sounds really good. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't say he's up with Sister Wendy just yet, who is basically the god of all art documentaries in my opinion. Mm, What about about Brian Sewell? Don't you think Brian Sewell? There's not very much video of Brian Sewell, actually. There's only one that I found, a two-parter, which is actually incredible and really interesting, but it was right before he died. But he didn't do a lot of television. He did much more writing. Um, anyway, so uh, there you go. And I want to give a shout out to our local art store, Broad Canvas. This is our Oxford art shop because I had to order some supplies. And then I got a phone call from the owner saying that he needed, you know, he didn't have whatever I wanted and he was going to give me a better and bigger product and he was going to drop it off himself later in the day, which he did. So I got same day delivery from the owner, delivered to my door. And I got way more than I've even bargained for. So thank you very much, Broad Canvas. That's nice. Shop local. Don't shop at Amazon. That's what your message is. Yeah, Broad Canvas are awesome. They're awesome. So if you're in Oxford, check them out. So my pick of the week this week is Perspective Channel on YouTube. Get yourself a bowl of huge popcorn and get yourself educated and cultured. (laughs) That just about wraps it up for this week. Zoe, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? Please do. I'm on Twitter at ZSK. Oh, so cool. So cool. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter allows to have a G. And you can also join the Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget... If you want to be sure never to miss another episode, subscribe, subscribe in your favourite podcast apps such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts. Uh, Remember to clear your calendar and join us for a live video session to celebrate our 200th show. 200 times, guys. Thursday, 15th of October at 8pm UK time. Be there, be square. Graham, the link? Yes, the link is smashinsecurity.com slash live. That will take Okay, and socially responsible ankle wiggles. <laughs> ankle wiggles. Socially responsible okay. ankle wiggles to all of you for listening, supporting the show via Patreon, and sharing this podcast with your entourage. And special thanks to you out there who've left us reviews. They keep me smiling in between shows, even when this show is not <laughs> very funny. Graham. <laughs> <laughs> also, high five to this week's Smashing Security sponsors, Immersive Labs and LastPass. Their support help us give you this show for free. Check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, and information on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye.
you so much, Zoe, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. I know you're a... <laughs> My pleasure. A little baptism of fire there for you, Zoe, with Graham's whole IoT cock blocks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hit stop.